0: Welcome to the Live Big Podcast featuring Dr. Derek Greer, where we teach principles from God's Word that will empower you to live big. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com. Here's Dr. Greer. Moses is uh, talking to the children of Israel, and uh, he's cautioning them. I suppose his tone is probably very much like mine today. There was a a sobriety about it, a, a seriousness about the moment. And uh, he said, be careful. Be what? Be careful. That means uh, do everything within your power to, uh, to follow. But make sure that you follow every command I am giving you today. He, he, he didn't want um, part-time believers. As we said on Sunday, the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth Looking for those hearts who are fully committed to him. And here he says, Be careful to follow every command. How many's in every? Yeah. He's looking for hearts that are fully what? Committed to him. Amen. Be careful to follow every command I am giving you today. Why? Because God had a lot of instructions. God's just a big old rule maker up in heaven. He explains in this next sentence so that you may what live. What's God's motivation? Yeah. Life. What did he say in John 10, 10? Yeah. He prayed that we, he came that we might have what life and have it. What? Yeah. To the full. God does not just want us to live. He wants us to live in what increase you supposed to be going from glory to what glory you supposed to be stretching evolving, if you will, in the righteous sense, you know how I mean that, and growing uh, in your faith. He wants you to arrive and what? Reach. But he doesn't just want you to reach the place of salvation. He wants you to possess it. Are you hearing me? He wants you to enter into what? Possess. It's not enough to reach it. We have to also master it. We must possess it. Are you hearing me? When you move into a new house, it's not enough to move into the home. You have to dispossess the spiders. You have to dispossess perhaps the termites. You have to move things out as you move in. Are you hearing me? Many times, you know, we, we, we get a blessing and we get to that place of blessing and we shout hallelujah, but you don't realize that God's giving you a place of provision, but there's still enemies in the land. You know, God gives you a piece of land. He says, well, I want you to build a farm. What do you have to do? Cut down the trees. You got to get rid of the coyotes. You got to get rid of all the snakes. You, you got uh, to dispossess what's in the land to fully inhabit the lands. So are you tracking with me? And you got to have a spirit in you that says, get out, get away. I'm moving on with God. You understand? You got to learn to separate things, move things that, that are blocking and hindering you. Verse 2, he goes on to say, remember, more literally, recognize how the Lord God has led you literally walk with you all the way how the lord led you in the desert these 40 years how can you know if you're, you're in the desert? The a desert desert's a a place of extremes it's cold at night hot in the day It's a place of dangers full of vipers and crawling scorpions a place without roads a place without maps if you don't go through the dry place you can't go to the high place without no desert there's no promise And then he goes on to explain, I led you for 40 years through this desert. And as if he heard them asking why, he answers, the purpose was to humble you. Literally, in the Hebrew, that means inflict pain. Why would God want to inflict pain? He said, I led you in the desert to inflict pain. What type of God is that? As I said on Sunday, God will at times hurt you, but he will never harm you. And sometimes when your bones are out of joint, you know, you thought it hurt when you broke it, but you haven't felt pain until they reset it. Are you hearing me? And sometimes God leads you through certain dry places to reset you and inflicts pain not to harm you, but ultimately to heal you. Then he goes on and to test you. That literally means to put you on trial. So he comes to hurt you and then to make a spectacle of you, to put you on trial. What type of God is this? But the reality is, those of us God's called to the high places have to first meet him in the low places. You have to deal with process before you make any real progress. I feel like Jesse Jackson rhyming up here. I don't mean to do all this. But he did this to humble you and to test you. Not because you're weak, not because God was weak, but because God had a plan and a purpose. And you know, gold, when it comes out the ground, it's valuable. But it doesn't really get its, its greatest value until it hits heat. And, you know, God, you, you come in just as you are with, with all these gifts and God places things in you. But in order for, for you to, 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 to glorify him, he has to often put you through heat to separate you from impurities. You know, I think, you know, I'm, I'm not a scientist, but I think it's something like a thousand to two thousand degrees that you have to heat the gold before it, it even uh, begins to, to turn to liquid. But then you have to move up the heat even more to get the impurities to float to the top. And we say at times, God, why am I going through? Why have I gone through what I've gone through? God is saying, I'm just heating you up enough to purify you. It's not that I don't love you. But the reality is, this heat is designed to bring to the surface those things that are hidden in you. That if, if, if you didn't get them dealt with, now, how, how many of you hear about all these people falling on television? You know what happened? They weren't in the dark room long enough. Every every photograph, you know, nowadays we have digital cameras, but I'm old enough to remember that every piece of film had to go through a dark room. And what would happen is the camera would take a picture, and the light would hit that film, and it would stay in the dark. And then the only way the film would properly develop is if you kept it in the dark. You see, God has given us pictures of our vision, our purpose, snapshots. We saw in the spirit what God has for us. And we think because God, you know, is good that because he's so merciful and, and loving and kind that necessarily there, there won't be a process. But the reality is, you know, us moderns, we, we are postmoderns. We, we don't get it anymore. But to develop film, the film has to, first got to get that image, but then you've got to go in the dark room. And, and there, there's seasons in your life where it's not that God doesn't love you. He can't fix you or promote you. Is that you have to be processed in order for your color to be as splendid as God's ordained it to be, in order for your picture to be accurate. See, there are many things I saw in God 20 years ago that it took, you know, many days, I'd say 20 years in the dark room, before those things could properly reflect the glory. Do you understand that, that God shot in my spirit when he first gave me a glimmer glimpse? And all of us have to go through dark rooms in order to be processed and developed. There's no way around it. You may have a wonderful gift. God bless you. But the reality is you need to be processed. He says, I humbled you and test you in order to know what was what. So God lets some things happen, not because he's weak, because you need to see what's really going on on in the inside. You see, I, I could feel all spiritual, you know, uh, because I read my Bible and, and I worship alone. But when those kids come home, and the wife has a different opinion and those things hit me that's when what's really in my heart starts coming to the surface we 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 have to i track we have to get in the midst of other people and circum- you know the heat has to hit the gold in order for you to see all the impurities so you know some of the things in your life are just god trying to cleanse you and purify you again he could pull you out in a moment but you'd be of no use all he, like, Lord, you know, I love you, you know, uh, please deliver me. And God says, well, you know, if I deliver you, I might as well bring you home because you're going to be no good for me on planet Earth. Because the goal has to be purified before it become a piece of jewelry. Are you tracking with me? Let's move forward. He said he humbled you, causing, are you listening to this? Causing you to hunger. He's saying God caused the need and then he met it. Causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna. Causing the need, then meeting the need. There will be seasons in your life that the purposes and plan of God, all they do is keep caught in need, You're like the most needy person. But that's part of the process. God causes the need and every need he causes, he meets. That's why you could pray, and my God shall meet all my needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Every need he causes, he will what? Meets. Causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna which neither you nor your fathers had known. I'm doing something in your generation that's not been done before. Then he explains to teach you. I'm not being destructive. It's in, instructive, constructive. That man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Okay. He spent 40 years in the wilderness. And what was the lesson? It was to teach him one thing. That man does not live what? On bread alone, but, but what? Not what people say. Not even what you might say, but what God says. When you learn that lesson, it's time for you to get out the wilderness. But if you don't learn that lesson, you're going to go around that mountain again. Jesus learned that lesson at 40. He was tempted by the devil. He said, no, no, no. no. I don't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth. He rebuked the adversary. You see, he learned it at 30, so he was able to step into his destiny. Some of us, take takes 40, 50 to learn that we don't live by just natural means, natural thinking, but by what? Every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Verse four, your clothes did not wear out and your feet did not swell during those 40 years. Know then in your hearts that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord what? Disciplines you. He calls this desert time discipline. He, he, he's saying in verse five, please hear my heart. My heart is paternal. I did this because I'm your father. Son, I saw what you could be. And, and, you know, sometimes the the stuff that comes against you just doesn't make sense because you're like, I'm not Benny Hinn. I'm not Billy Graham. I'm not, you know, I'm nobody. But it's not where you are. It's where you're going that the adversary is fighting so desperately. Are are you tracking with Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, he's saying, man, this is this is with love. This is in love, out of love. I'm doing this because I love you. So the Lord your God, what? Disciplines you. He goes on and continues. He says, observe the commands of the Lord your God, walking in his ways, revering him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a bad land. The purpose of the desert is a better place. Are you hearing me? For the Lord your God is bringing you into a what? good land, a land with streams and pools of water, with springs flowing in the valleys and hills, not like Egypt. Egypt was basically, ai don't remember, maybe three to five miles on either side of the river. That part of Egypt was green. Egypt consisted basically of that ribbon along the Nile. And you couldn't go, you know, as, only as far as you can irrigate from the Nile, uh, was the extent that uh, people could prosper. But he said, I'm, I'm going to send you into a different land. It's not based on anything in this natural world, the way you guys are going to uh, prosper and be successful. Instead of you having to pump from the ground, it's going to come down from heaven in the form of rain. Are you tracking with me? For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with streams and pools of water, with springs flowing in the valleys and hills, a land with wheat wheat. Barley, vines, fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil, and honey. A land where bread will not be scarce and you will lack what? So you go through the desert to get to the place without what? Lack, right? God disciplines you as a son so you can get to the place that you're what? Lacking nothing, right? Consider it pure joy, right? When you go through trials of many kinds, knowing that in the end, you'll be complete. Lacking what? Nothing. So if you undergo discipline, you will end up lacking what? Nothing. Are you hearing me? God will not let me preach pretty today. He will not let this thing be be nice. I just feel maybe it's discipline even before the blessing. But but church, I, I don't. Oh, I'm so troubled. I'm so troubled. Hear me. Let me let me. When I said to you this Sunday that if God wanted to, He could, He could stop your heart from beating, and that almost took my breath away. And what God's been reminding me, He's saying, somewhere I'm about to take you, and when I say me, me is us. We're a team. We're together. We're corporate. And if I go. Listen, all I do is go for first. You see what? See, as a leader, you just go first where everyone else is going. If you just go by yourself, you're not a leader. You're a wanderer. But as a leader, I got to take everybody with me where I'm going. But the Lord's been scaring me, literally frightening me. And he never frightens me. I mean, he's a scary guy at times and everything. But, but you know, because he's God, you know. But, you know, he says, call me father. And that, that fixes everything. But it's like, son, you need to remember where you came from. You need to remember that uh, I can cause you to breathe. I could cause it to be your last breath. And I'm like, well, what did I do to cause this? And, and, and I think what he's doing is along the lines of what's happening here. I remember... Hearing a story about a pastor in Nigeria. Before that church became the, the largest church in the world, God took him to the beach and, uh, he said to him, Draw, draw a man on the beach. And he drew a stick figure right up next to the ocean. And just a couple moments, a wave came from the sea and wiped out that stick figure. And he said, Son, remember, as quickly as that man was wiped off the beach, he says, quickly. So you remember yourself. There's no greater test than success. Many of you think, I'm saying I'm good. No, no. We, God is about to release his blessing. And he's pulling us up short. I can't even preach. I can't even act right. Let me remember yourself. Don't you forget. You better act like you know. Because I remember when you were sleeping with two men in the same week. I remember what you did to get your, your your fix of crack cocaine. I remember your confusion, your delusion. I remember so don't you forget, act like you don't know from whence you come. If it wasn't for me, you'd be nobody nowhere. So you remember. And I start looking, I'm like, well, what is it inside me that would cause you to Gee, listen, you don't know what you're capable of until you get there. So I'm just, man, I'm just humbling myself. You know, like them angels, they had six wings. And in the presence of God, they, they'd hide their face. They, they would just humble themselves. I mean, imagine glorious wings where you can fly. I mean, he's with cherubim, six wings. And in the presence, they just cover themselves. And and in the glory of God, I just have a sense of his glory. And, and I feel like, oh, God, I'm a man of unclean lips. Touch me again, oh, God, that I might be pure. And listen, I'm living right, doing right. I don't know anything wrong in my life. And I'm saying, Lord, if the righteous are scarcely saved, God, how is it for any of us? And And, and, and the fear of God... Oh, I respect him. I love him. I'm near him. He talks to me. We are friends. But the reverential, oh, it makes you go, God. And I'm like promotion. No, don't send me. No, 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 Mm-mm. no, God. Keep me right here. I, I-, I got right here. <laughs> you know, I'm doing okay. Don't, don't do nothing where I can, uh, uh. God, God said, I'm going to do something good. Take your breath. But you remember from whence it came. Not by might, not by power, you remember, but by my spirit. He said, I'm going to take your breath away. <sighs> you know, I heard a lady talking, and um, Daddy came home. He, got a, uh, he had a heart, uh, open heart surgery. And, um, you know, he was wrapped in the bandages, the sheets. But this was, you know, 10 years ago where they cut your whole chest open, and it went all the way down, and they saw you and everything. And he had two sons, and one of his sons came in the room. He said, Daddy, I want to see your cut. Daddy said, OK. And he called the younger son in to see if he wanted to see the cut. He's like, you sure you want to see this? He's like, yeah. So he asked the, 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 the younger son, do you want to say No. So he left the room, closed the door. And a couple minutes later, the younger boy heard a big thud on the floor. And he came running up to see what it was. And what happened was, when the younger boy saw the cut on the chest, it took his breath. And he fainted. And, you know, as you walk this walk, there are cuts and wounds that if anyone saw them, they, you don't know the cost of this oil. If, if, if I could take my shirt off to show you what it costs to be just here, many would lose their breath. And, you know, that, that's interesting. But what, what's been even more interesting is as I pray and I get distracted, even in preaching, I see Jesus once again. And I see a scarred man on Calvary's cross looking more like a burn victim. Dried blood. And it takes my breath. The cost. And to benefit from that cost is so humbling. To know it cost him everything. And God is saying to me, son, are you willing to give me everything? The fear of God is perfect. Cleansing the soul. And, and I... I feel a cleansing in this hour. You know, great power, great responsibility. When you have eaten and are satisfied, don't forget your praise. Praise the Lord your God for the land he's given you. And he said, be careful that you don't forget. See, here's the problem. We forget. We act like we did it. We act like it was because, you know, we were smarter than the next guy, uh, more righteous than the next guy. We forget. He says, be careful that you don't want, forget the Lord your God. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, did it say if or when? 12. Otherwise, when you, when you, what when? You go through the desert to get to win. You hear what I'm saying? If you commit to the process, you'll get to the promise. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build what? Fine houses and settle down. When the herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud. Getting what you want and not wanting anymore is the greatest test. Some of you are about to be tested more than any other time. You're like, God going to give you the car. He's going to give you the house. He's going to give you the money. He's going to give you the job. I want to know if I'm going to keep seeing you in this house. Single person ain't going to give you the man, but you're going to make an idol of your marriage. One of the greatest tests is for God to give you what you want. See, what happens is you give most people what they want. They don't want you no more. So it's like, listen, guys, I I, I took you through this desert experience, not because I was weak, but really because I was strong. And I lovingly put in you what was necessary to keep you in the long run. But I still need to encourage you. Don't forget what I've done and who's done it. It says, otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, when your herds and flocks grow large, your silver and gold increase, and all you have is what? Multiplied. Then your heart will become what? Proud. Cause brain damage. Delusions of grandeur make you lose your mind. And you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt and out of all that bondage you used to be in. God is about to bless us. He's about to release us. But church, we better not forget I remember when Bible study was just me, but God's simple request is that we remember. You know, before Ted Haggard got caught, I met him in a meeting. Before Zachary Timms got called out for the stuff he was doing down there in Orlando, I met him in Washington. I said, Lord, I'm noticing a pattern. I was talking to my wife tonight about that pattern. I said, honey, I really, you know, I don't I can't imagine myself with another woman. That's fact, like we around so much. I mean, we, I, I don't know I'd have to do it in the bathroom, you know, because it just, it's just, it's, it's, you know, <laughs> we together all the time. <laughs> She'd have to hide in the bathroom, you know. Anyway. I said, Lord, is there something in me, you know? I said, Lord, I've been true even when I was single. And I said, I've been good. I mean, I think I'm right. But I felt today like he's saying, son, but what about the spiritual adultery? See, once, once you get to a place of prominence and power, it's so easy to make deals with the world. He said, friendship with the world is adultery with God. And I've been finding myself meeting all these prominent adulterers. I start naming more names, but they, their stuff ain't out in the news yet. Say, yeah. said, Lord, why? Because he loved me. Say, said, God, I will send you mentors for several reasons. To show you what to do and also show you what not to do. Yeah. So I've been taking inventory. And the best thing I can do is humble myself at the feet of Jesus. For fear that we will become a 5,000 member church. And all of a sudden I have a, not just a a mega church, but a mega ego. I become a megalomaniac. Just in case the worship team go crazy, just like the devil did. Saying, well, I'm going to live, you know, it's not to preach today. It's it's not the right thing to do to preach today. But I I just feel like God is calling us as a body to humble ourselves. You see, it's one thing for him to speak privately to me. I have a way of forgetting things that are said privately. You see, I know when I have to start saying things publicly, God's holding me to account. So in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let his word be established and confirmed. So obviously, this thing is, God is so serious about this thing. We don't forget when we were 12. We don't forget when we were 15. God's about to do some wonderful things. Point is, God doesn't want us to forget. The whole duty of man is to walk humbly with our creator. And um, there's a call for humility like never before.